Now Erlangga having both want to consolidate, so there's no other faction establish a new party, and then uh, make a organization structure more lean and more focused because the the party work it's only 16 months facing the elections 2019. This is Indonesia In-Depth, and we have the pleasure today to be joined by a special guest. This is a lawmaker from the Golkar Party, Bobby Rizaldi. Bobby, thank you for joining this episode. Okay, Sean. Thank you to you. I want to take a minute, uh, Bobby, just to describe your background a bit for some of those people who haven't uh, had an opportunity to meet with you. You have an accounting background. You received your MBA from Cleveland State University. You later were a senior auditor at uh, Jakarta-based Deloitte before moving on as a financial analyst at ConocoPhillips. Uh, you were then audit team leader for four years at BP Migas, which was Indonesia's upstream oil and gas regulator, which is a very important institution in the upstream oil and gas yes, sector. Right. It is now called SKK Migas. Uh, then in 2009, you were elected as a lawmaker in parliament representing South Sumatra. Uh, while in the House, you were a member of Commission 7, which oversees the energy and natural resources. And currently now you are on Commission 1, which oversees foreign affairs, defense, information, communication, and technology. Uh, you have an interesting mix of private and public sector experience. And I'm sure that's very useful in your in your work in Parliament, where you have to deal with the private sector at the same time, the government. But I think before we even start discussing uh, politics in Indonesia, it seems that your experience in Cleveland has had an impact on you. And now you have a coffee shop, which sort of has a, a theme of uh, Cleveland, and it's called Maleo Yellow Coffee. coffee. Yes. So is, is, is the yellow related to go-car anyway? Or no, it, no, no, no. It's no. a coincidence? Uh, just uh, we try to find something that can be our signature. So uh, yellow seems uh, not yet widely used as an iconic from uh, this third wave coffee movement. Now I want to talk a little bit about uh, political developments in Indonesia now, if I may. The Golkar Party has just recently, uh, yesterday, appointed its new senior board members. This is the new board that the party chairman, Yolanda Hartato, has established. Uh, his goal is to revamp and restructure the party, uh, and at the same time improve its public image after former party chairman, Setia Novanto, uh, has been indicted for uh, corruption. Uh, chairman Yolanda has cut the party administrators from 305 down to 251, and he hopes to improve the party's effectiveness at both the national and regional level. Very much of interest uh, in this new board is the appointment of the new Secretary General, retired Lieutenant General Ludwig Paulus. Ludwig placed Mr. Idris Maham, who has been appointed by President Widodo as Minister of Social Affairs. It's been quite a, uh, a surprise to many that Lieutenant General uh, Ludwig has been appointed, and some rumors say that the retired Lieutenant General and Coordinating Minister of Maritime Affairs and Natural Resources, uh, Luhut Panjaitan, was highly influential in bringing Ludwig into this new position. As our listeners may know, Luhut was once Ludwig's commander while they both served in the Indonesian Special Forces. Uh, Ludwig himself has said that Luhut did have some input on the decision to appoint him, but that many others were involved in the Golkar Party. Uh, Ludwig recently retired from the army in 2015, and he has only been a party member for, for two years. So he's a, he's a new member, and that's three years less than the party requirement to serve the position, according to the uh, party rules. 
So can you provide some insights on what was some of the deciding factors behind the appointment of, of Ludwig and or why Ludwig? Yeah, maybe I should address uh, the history uh, when the first Mr. Ludwig uh, joined the Golka party in 2015 and uh, 16 because there's a necessity for our party to increase the uniformity and the more loyalty to the party because our seniors just like uh, Pak Abu Rizal Bakri, Mr. Luhut Panjaitan didn't want after a munas conducted from the last three munas, previous munas Sorry, uh, munas is the, the National, National Congress, Congress. Okay. There's always a faction that established a new party like uh, first the, the PKPI and the Gurindra, Hanura and the last is the Nasdem. So all former Golkar. Yes, former Golkar. That's why there's a necessity to bring the uh, some individual that could be as a motivator to increase our militancy. And at the first place, Mr. Luhut endorsed uh, Mr. Ludwig uh, back years uh, in 2017 after Mr. Novanto and Abu Rizal Bakri get elected as the empowering or uh, empowerment of the human resource development in the party in, in the, the party not designated as a secretary general but along the way when uh, mr erlanga elected as a, a chairman of the golka party uh, his concept uh, because we are only maybe 16 or 16 months to face the election in 2019 there's also the urgency and there's a demanding the position of the secretary general to increase the militancy the uh, loyalty and uniformity in the uh, party so uh, to bring no faction anymore and it needs someone with the experience in common like in the army mm -hmm. and mr ludwig is the third Army General become the Secretary General uh, in the Gold Golkar formation after the reformation. So this is not the first time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the appointment of the Ludwig as a Secretary General in the Arlanga formations not really involved Mr. Luhut because in the past two years Mr. Ludwig already become a mingle and now blend and uh, really uh, perceive as a militant Golkar cadres. Mm -hmm. So he's he's well known among the, the, yeah. the cadre so the, there. Yeah. The involvement of the Mr. Luhut at the first place he, he joined as a human resource development in the back uh, previous Erlanga formations. Mm -hmm. uh, when you say a militancy, do you mean like a more structured party, or can you describe what you mean by militancy? Having bringing uh, Ludwig on, is it to provide more structure for the party, or yeah, to, uh, just so our listeners have a better understanding? It's in line with the uh, Mr. Erlanga formation that the organization structure should be more lean, or maybe we could say it's slim, because we don't need any other activities besides. Uh, that towards to the election efforts just like he put the first priority the winning election body divided into uh, three region uh, Sumatra Java Kalimantan and East part of Indonesia and after that all of the organization body just like the economy just like the social welfare it's to support the election efforts so uh, this means that even the structure is still maintain some of the formation from the previous 
era in Mr. Novanto era but it is more uh, focus all of the body it's uh, all of the activity it's to support the winning election divisions and ludwig is, is and ludwig is suitable, is, for, this, uh, suitable for this i see okay yes because uh, if we in the previous era in uh, mr novanto he put an effort to consolidate so after the congress he tried his best not uh, the faction establish a new party and it succeed now erlanga having both want to consolidate so there's no other faction establish a new party and then uh, make a organization structure more lean and more focused because the the party work it's only 16 months facing the elections mm-hmm. 2019 so the discussion or rumors that Pak Luhut Panjaitan had a strong influence in that is no, is inaccurate no by the time when Ailanga want to uh, contest it's already been proposed If I get elected, so it, it's not really a surprise. Uh, so the new Gokar Party board has been established. How will this impact relations with some of the other political parties in the government coalition? Can you give some specifics about uh, going forward? How will this new board help with with relations in the coalition? Yeah, first the this formation yes really have a new impact since this uh, formation is endorsing. the the pass of the legislation of the how to call it the MD3 mm-hmm. yeah the, that, the uh, law that that governs yeah parliament. law that governs the the PDIP to provide it that in the previous formation is stuck so mm-hmm. it means that we are more uh, strengthen our position in the coalition uh, party for the uh, supporting the governments sorry pa just just for some background so the uh, in, in 2014 PDIP uh, did not receive any uh, senior leadership positions in the parliament and this law on, that governs the, the parliament will be amended and bring in PDIP yes. so they'll have a, a seat maybe a deputy speaker seat possibly yes okay. yes yes and it's already become the commitment when uh, the appointment of the new speaker of the house it's already been stated in the media that it become this priority mm-hmm. this is the second biggest move by chairman elanga in the past two weeks to revamp the the party uh, the first was the appointment of bambang susatio as the new house speaker our impression at indigenous in depth is that both of these decisions are part of uh, elanga's long term goal of cementing <coughs> his leadership uh, beyond 2020 and he hopes to serve for a full five year term after that uh, would you say this is accurate and is this part of of the the bigger plan Yeah, I would say that this move by uh, Mr. Erlanga to appoint Mr. Bambang Susatyo it's also a logically thinking as a party that now try to maintain the level of electability now we are having 12 to 13% still in the second place uh, we need some individual or uh, personalities that could become the media darling that every really publicly uh, solicit and exploit by the media but in other way become the front face of the new Golka party and among of the other candidates before there like Mr. Agus Gumiwang, Mr. Zainuddin, Mr. Kahar Muzakir and other uh, potential candidate the appointment of uh, Bambang Susatyo is just like I told you before it's a uh, logically thinking because uh, based on the media Bambang is the most popular among the other candidates And so far, there's no low cases involvement that could uh, reflect the bad publicity for our party. 
the good publicity uh, heavily in the news every day that's what we need at the moment for maintaining our party popularity so the appointment of the uh, Bambang Susatyo it's already been discussed among the senior members uh, I would say it's uh, the logically thinking of Mr. Erlanga and I think it's quite a good move. Are there any positions left to be filled or has, has the board been completely filled? Is there anyone else that's that's going to be changed or moved in the in the near future or is this uh, the party ready to go forward now? Uh, it's already also been uh, quoted in the media that after the formation of the our internal structure party he will be moved to the refreshing the face of the uh, chairman, deputy chairman and from the uh, legislation body in all from the commission 1 to 2, 11 and also the chairman of the budget committee and he will be announced this maybe after this recess maybe in March. I see. It's already been so, so there will be the more changes, but more at, the, changes. at the commission level in, in parliament. Yes, Interesting. yes. Yeah, like uh, I told you, there's a necessity and a demand that uh, the coal car uh, need to be uh, heavily publicly quote as a refresh under the Mr. Erlanga, but also to maintain the sustainability from other leadership. Mr. Novanto, but this both combination is believed to make this party moving forward and become the leader in the electability rating next year. So there's a, a, a big push now to revamp the party, have a more focus, yes, and also a, a refresh the the, uh, the leaders at the commission level, yes. and really get the party working again. Yes, interesting. On a separate topic. Outside of the Golkar board, senior Golkar member and former lawmaker, Mr. Idris Marham, was appointed recently as the Minister of Social Affairs. He replaced Madam Kofifa, uh, who resigned uh, due to the fact that she's running for governor of East Java. Uh, do you see the appointment of this senior Golkar member, Idris Marham, as a sign that Jokowi is maybe moving closer to the Golkar party? Yes, I would say that not moving closer, but Jokowi shows the commitment after nominated by the Golkar party as the uh, president candidate in 2019 and what very surprising that the appointment of Mr. Idris Marham not really changing the formation of the coalition party because Mr. Ms. Kofifa also contest uh, in the East Java endorsed by Golka party also. It's uh, maybe to prevent other comments that this reshuffle it's changing the landscape of the coalition party the rumor said that the other party would be withdraw from the uh, cabinets so it would not happen so it means Jokowi it's honored the uh, endorsing from the coalition party and the appointment of Idris Marham not changing this landscape and I think it's a very win-win situation for all of us. And there was a big concern, wasn't it, that if uh, Madam Kofifa resigned, that space, that her seat would be, would be open and then have maybe a snowball effect where the cabinet would have to have a complete reshuffle and yes. then reconfiguration of the parties and maybe cause some conflict. Uh, that didn't happen, uh, so it's been very helpful to the president yes. and, and also with uh, Golkar. Yeah, we also hope this has become the last reshuffle of this presidency just to prevent the, the uh, bad hype in the uh, media 
or make very some noising in the public discussions lah. So uh, we uh, appreciate that this president uh, move, and I would say that this is a quite a genius idea lah. Mm-hmm. And also for our listeners, the Gokar Party chairman also is the Minister of Industry in the in the Jokowi's cabinet, mm-hmm. and he was not changed. He he remained in the cabinet, and that's also a, a very important sign, I think, for the relationship between uh, President Widodo and. Yes, uh, it's a strong support with uh, President Jokowi to Golkar Party, and that's why we really appreciate it. Uh, so you don't expect any more changes to the cabinet, and as we run up to 2019, as uh, one of the significant contribute for the coalition party, uh, we, we hope that there's no other reshuffle after the after this. So this should be remain, so the cabinet could be work full uh, to serve the public, and the coalition party landscape will not changing. So this is should be the last reshuffle. I hope. Now, Pak Bobby, I want to maybe move to a different topic, uh, more about the uh, Indonesian defense sector, and especially when it comes to parliament. Uh, you are on the Commission One in Parliament, which oversees defense, but you're also on the Budget Committee, yes. which are two separate Body. uh, bodies. Interesting. So the Indonesian military spending has increased uh, every year under President Widodo. Uh, it's, it's the highest now. It's been in 12 years. Under the 2018 state budget, uh, the defense sector uh, will be receiving around 8 billion U.S. dollars. Why is this increase needed? Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, the increase is needed since we only have uh, 8 billion dollars a year. Even if it could be considered as the highest expenditure among other 15 ministry, because Indonesia already left behind since from 1998 in the reformation era until 2008, there's a uh, 10 years we are not spending in military sectors. So the weaponry and uh, our uh, defense system is very outdated at the moment. So, in order to co-op with the 10 years left behind posture, uh, in 2008, Mr. SBY launched the uh, doctrine called Minimum Essential Force. It's the minimum uh, requirement uh, in the peaceful conditions, no wars. And one of the contribute of this doctrine, now it's uh, ambassador for the UK, Mr. Rizal Sukma. And that posture uh, divided into three consecutive periods, 2008 to 2013, 2014 to 2019, and 2019 till 2024. See, even it's considered uh, the highest expenditure from other 15 industry uh, ministry. So if uh, some say that the budget uh, the highest is for the uh, education, no. It's the reality in the previous years from 2008, the highest expenditures in the military sectors. It's only contribute uh, 1.8 something percent of our GDP. In the NATO countries, now they are moving try from 1.5 to 2 percent of their GDP. So we are still way behind. But since our doctrine is in the peaceful condition, that's why we call it minimum essential force. So uh, the increase need to co-op with the posture that we have left in 1998 that we are very uh, powerful at that time. Just like now we don't have uh, any uh, strike 
Air Force uh, to replace the F5E Tiger that now under discussion whether to procure the Sukhoi or the F16 things like that so this is just an order to bring back the posture in 1998 that we already left behind 10 years I will say this is still very low but we are try at our best in the budget uh, so this spending not will not make the adverse impact on the budget structure and what impact pop bobby does this have on the indonesian defense policies and i think a second question to that is uh, does the, the indonesian military have the system in place to really properly absorb all this new funding yeah when we uh, start this program by funding uh, through the minimum essential force so we have uh, 17 countries support our weaponry system and out of 173 uh, weaponry systems so 17 countries give a 173 system because we are a non-block country and the lack of the budget for military spending in 98 to 2008 we uh, cannot grow our defense uh, local industry sector so we always buy the uh, local industry that could be manufactured uh, the strongest is only the three state-owned government PAL, PINDAD, and Dirgantara Indonesia and two of them it still not fully serve the military industry Dirgantara Indonesia and PAL still produce the commercial vessels uh, not only dedicated to the military sector so it means we are lack of our research and development so we only buy at this time we try to allocate more into the R&D sector so we could develop our own characteristic defense system if we are though in the war doctrine we have the unique character that not in the part of any world can copy we have a, the best guerrilla warfare system that make the army forces as the lead sector but uh, in the modern era of warfare like the Singapore, Australia they are now turned to be the air supremacy in Australia they call it the Jericho plan and we have to co-op with that kind of technology also so we try to spend and uh, co-op with the mini minimum essential force very precise in 2019 so the target to reach the posture of the def our defense system can be reached but now we are still working on try to improve our budget can meet up that requirement. President Widodo has promised uh, in 2014 when he was running for president that he would push to develop uh, Indonesia's maritime uh, role and also uh, I think in defense. How much progress has been made? There's been some talk that Indonesia's maritime capabilities have been stuck even since 2014. Uh, what's your view on that? Yeah, from the maritime uh, perspective, yeah, there's a grow, but not as fast as we required. Like uh, in the, this presidency era, uh, Mr. Jokowi uh, established the Bakamla, it's like a national coast guard. Mm -hmm. But since there's a, one, one scandal, uh, it's not very, work very well. And the additional patrol boats, it's not many as uh, we expect. Yeah, because some budget constraint that uh, we are trying to working on it in the budget committee along with the uh, defense ministry and the finance ministry. The Widodo administration has been working to improve transparency and, and accountability uh, on the government procurement processes overall. 
and is shifting uh, to using tools such as e-tenders, for example. The defense sector uh, has been hit by several incidents of budget misappropriations, as well as some corruption scandals in recent years. How do you view the government's efforts to increase transparency with defense procurement? And what other steps uh, do you think are needed uh, to be taken to increase efficiency in this? Yeah, I think uh, this is like the discussion across the world the debacle between the transparency versus secrecy in the defense sector and i would say in this presidency uh, mr jokowi already put good effort by appointed the chief of uh, army navy air forces at the head of defense quite committed to the transparency just like if you say the prosecution of the some of the military general in uh, Mr. Jokowi presidency uh, I would say and I appreciate that and I I wish that this will continue to maintain the transparency at least the effective way to procure the weaponry system that uh, lately it's very not public can access the information uh, on this sector so this presidency already led to the right path to increase the efficiency transparency in the uh, weaponry procurement and i would say even it's not really widely open it's uh, already a good move and keep it this way i think we could reach our goals to the minimum essential force by 2024. Pa- Bobby, thank you uh, for your time and fascinating to learn your thoughts and insights. Thank you for taking the time to be on this episode. Uh, we'll keep an eye on go-car developments going forward and there's a lot to watch and we hope to speak to you in the future. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.